0: Okay, I think by now we've established Everything is inherently worthless And there's nothing in the universe With any kind of objective purpose And I'll scream for a hundred years Split the sky with a thousand curses To tell the evil that men do Honey, you wouldn't even scratch the surface Too many implications Not enough time to make him explicit Too many generalizations not enough time to make them specific. Hi, folks. So, uh, some was there a vote last? What happened? Was there a sports ball? Uh, oh boy. Uh, I've not really looked at anything. I looked at the the the. the uh, I streamed through stuff a little bit to find out just the general stake. It looks like we're. Get, it's going to be the Bush Gore again. It's going to be Bush Gore again. They're trying to stop count votes from being counted. There's legal challenges. It's Bush v. Gore. Uh, It's a coin flip, though. I mean, I'd I'd still, my gut says Trump pulls it out, but, you know, Biden could still win. At this point, I realize the full stupidity and futility of protecting anything in politics, how it is totally futile. I'll explain more about that as we go on. But but that's as much as I'm going to talk about. I'm not actually interested in that. Uh, Much like the debate, the first debate between Biden and Trump, where just the experience of it, Helped me to of like sear me to a deep level, a deeper level than I've ever been able to like uh, uh, um, lock down my knowledge. That there's no reason to listen to these guys talk because nothing they say means anything. Something you know deeply, but it's not accessible when you're dealing with it, and you end up getting caught up because you can't detach. And then that debate helped me detach. This election, another one of those moments where you are able finally, only in the in the uh, aftermath of it to look back and see what the hell you were even in the middle of. The Owl of Minerva alights at dusk, as Hegel said. You can only know the fuck what was going on until afterwards, which is why the entire concept of predicting elections in the first place, the entire Nate Silver world, is an absurd and insane uh, uh, pursuit. It's a, pure, it's a pure entertainment product. That's the thing. They pretend it's, it's supposed Polls are supposed to be a science, but they're an entertainment product. And it's like, you have a choice. Do you accept... The reality of that and then decide I'm gonna um, you know what I'm gonna have some fun with this uh, I know it's an entertainment product let's do the horse race or you're gonna be like no this isn't an entertainment product this is actually real science like Nate Silver and then you drive yourself insane because if Nate Silver was smart he would have realized that what he was selling in 2012 when he became popular was not um, expertise or sci- specific scientific knowledge or anything He did a thing that any fucking uh, first-year statistics student would have done, could have done, which is just fucking aggregate polls instead of looking at one specific one. That's easy. Uh, He just specifically did it in a year where, by happenstance, you had a situation where liberals, still traumatized by uh, the last election that didn't go their way in 2004, were absolutely nauseous at the thought of Obama losing to Mitt Romney. They did what liberals always do before an election. They pull their hair out and freak out about, oh my God, we're blowing it. Because they know in their heart they're fucking blowing it. And the thing is, is that they're always blowing it, but, you know, it takes time for blowing it to really sink in. So you might still win a few elections here or there. And hey, maybe this is it. Um, uh, And... They were like, oh my God, Obama's going to lose. And then, specifically, when he lost the first debate, Mr. Obama, Mr. Smooth, Mr. Entertainer, ate shit in the first debate in 2012. O, uh, o. Romney was seen in t- by basically everybody as the winner. and That almost never happens to a Republican in a fucking uh, presidential debate. And his numbers dipped a little bit, and liberals were tearing their hair out. And Nate Silver was the one place they could go on the website the internet to feel a dope, a, a soothing, f- cooling feeling instead of anxiety and freaking out. And oh my God, because they had Nate Silver there. Oh, to be poured over them like a holy gravy and to feel centered again. And then when the, he won, when Obama won and it wasn't even really that close. He, uh, and the one person who had told them and calmed them and petted them and kept them, kept them, bo- kept them on the couch and, and, and sated and soothed like mommy's uh, finger before that election, was Nate Silver. And so they just decided to worship him. And dumbass Nate Silver, instead of looking at that and being like, oh shit, I got lucky, I better cash in. And then just, like, figuring out a new grift, decides, no, I'm gonna, I actually know something, and I'm gonna find out things. And so what happens? Oh no, those conditions don't obtain anymore. That was just happenstance, that you provided that service for those liberals. That entertainment service for those liberals. Now in a midterm, when no people don't really care as much. How do you make that interesting? Because they don't need to be soothed. And then 2016 it was the other way around everybody assumed hillary was going to win and so what did they need nate silver for he was he was discarded like yesterday's uh, toy and he was freaking out about it and trying to like Figure out, no, there's still a value add for me. And so what he could do is just say, unlike everyone else who says it's 95% Hillary, I say it's 75% Hillary. And then, of course, he felt vindicated after the election. And everyone else is like, you're an idiot. But once again, he was correct in a narrow sense. It's like, yes, there was a huge statistical voting error that was making everybody's predictions off. And he was able to recognize it more than almost any of the other aggregators were able to. That's still a value add, but it's not what they wanted. They wanted the ooze. They wanted the mmm. And now we're in the first election where nobody trusts polls at all, which means Nate Silver has nothing to contribute. They don't even remember why they liked him. And he's frantically trying to, like, find a way out of this maze, to find a way where he can give himself, uh, 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 like, a, a status as a, scientific, a scientist somehow or an authority when he is doing a thing that is fundamentally irrational and meaningless. When you say 75, it's, it's, it, what is it right now? Uh, it's it trumps up four in Michigan. No, he's not. That's not a thing. All of this is just what is the general vibe like if an election happened today? And that means it means things in like you know a, a, a law of big numbers way, but it has it has essentially no there is no uh, the amount of like objective scientific like attachment to the material reality is very, very tenuous to begin with. And then there's the fact that the end result is a binary outcome where your percentages mean nothing because it's going to be one or the other. So giving me a percentage is not an answer. It's not a scientific response to the thing because it's not a thing that's worth doing. It is not a science because there's no reason to do that other than to provide entertainment for people. I mean, yes, polls are used to like guide coverage and stuff. But for the people who consume news, polls exist to provide entertainment, either or uh, yay boo a little bore for the for the uh, for the, the pop and hiss of the political theater that we're living that is the mugs game of predicting these things and I and I felt leading up to the election I felt like every time I was prodded to talk about what I thought was gonna happen with the election anything from who' gonna win to was there gonna be a coup or was there gonna be some sort of all these questions uh, were ones that are essentially like asking somebody what's what's the polls say it's like i'm just looking at the polls but i don't know if polls are real we're not going to know if polls are real until the election happens and now we know polls are not real anymore and it's because i think i don't know this but i suspect it's at this point the only people who answer a poll are a person Are on one side of a coming divide I'm going to talk about within American uh, politics that's now emerging between people who went to college and people who didn't, i.e. broadly speaking people who see politics as a field of of meaning or people who see it as one uh, option among a bunch of other options in an entertainment uh, menu that they choose not to really engage with. And that means that those people are the people are the demographic slice that everybody talks about and that the Democratic Party is most fixated on and is the majority of voters in that they're the ones who show up every two years. But then there's this other group of people who show up every four years. What is it's their thought, and I say, those people do not fucking pick up the phone. That's what I say. I have no way of proving that, but it doesn't matter. It's just a, it's, I'm just speculating on a hypothesis. It doesn't matter. What matters is, is that there's a systemic and now undeniable break that means you don't, you can't, you cannot think you're, no, unless you want to just be like, assume just like add a number or something you know at that point you're just pulling things out of your ass and I'm very glad and polling breaking breaks another thing in me and that is um, and that is just to look at this to look at the voting outcome, look at what we're seeing with these returns and seeing how it uh, blows up a lot of our perceptions and understandings of how American politics operates, uh, and honestly, I feel like in the last four years, like I feel like we breached out of a, a, like a reality, out of like Earth A, when Trump won. We're like thrown into a quantum state where whoa, that was a big, that was a weird bump. That was like a, that was like one of those things that was in the arc of history, one of those moments that's one of those few moments that is both contingent and consequential. Because you know all events, all events obviously are you know. Enmeshed with both of those historically, most historical events, are a conse- if they're consequential they're not contingent, but there are a few some assassinations, battle and war uh, outcomes, uh, uh, big social like pivot points, where you actually do have both uh, contingency, and, uh, um, consequence. And that put us in this quantum state of, like, what did we run into? And then our response to it was going to be how we figured it out. And among people who were on the left, the response was, oh shit, battle stations, what do we do? Now, of course, the the Democratic Party decided, it didn't decide, and I'll get to that later, but did what it was essentially programmed and required to do by its own internal algorithm, which was tack right, tack to the center, tack towards disaffected Republicans, who were grossed out by Trump. That was inevitable and could not have been stopped. Nobody made a decision to do that. Any more than anybody wakes up at fucking Goldman Sachs and gets on the phone and says, hey, uh, make more money today. No one does that. It's just... It's, it's, it's the underlying logic that you never even get to in a day-to-day conversation of motives and stuff. The deep, deep structure of ideology. Um... But the contingent thing was the emergence of the Bernie Sanders concept, the social democratic alternative to uh, to the new coke of uh, DLC uh, democratic politics. And the four years where people manning battle stations and trying to like, okay, we, we're in a new space, but what does it mean? All right. Uh, well, Hillary did terribly because they didn't talk about material issues and the Democrats and gone away from labor, and we need to recommit to material uh, politics, right? And you get a big quorum of people on the left saying, yep, that was it. And they said, all right, well, let's do it. And from certain assumptions, they operated. And one of the big ones was, we have to change the electorate. This electorate is trapped in this partisan box where these people are just biting each other's faces off because they're just bored suburbanites who are watching television. You have to have skin in the game in terms of feeling like changing society is something that needs to happen, and and that your perception of your own self-interest is merged with a class of people. Like, oh, this is going to help me, but me as a group also. Um, And so that's what Bernie did. That's what Bernie tried to do. Tried to operate off that big... uh, huge bump in his popularity and, and, and people's awareness of him. And then he hit the streets for four years. So we all operated off the assumption. And we operated the assumption that if you change the electorate, you enlarge the electorate. And if you enlarge the electorate, by definition, you will break through a lot of the structures that the Constitution and now later on gerrymandering and self-dealing by the GOP at the state level uh, have erected against like popular participation in government, which would mean popular participation by Working class people, because there's more of them than there are owners, uh, and that was that was those were the assumptions, and I held all of them. I held all of them, and I think basically everybody did until yesterday. And if they're not, if they're not dropping them now, this is the point where you're like you're fucking up. I don't blame anybody for accepting that that was the reality. I think everybody was operating off of that base assumption, and. We weren't gonna know until the election. And Bernie's primary defeat really signaled that, oh, maybe this isn't how this works. Because Bernie was able to get a good chunk of those Democratic voters, the young, engaged ones. Uh and, and, and brought you know, and he did get some working class people who were aware enough of politics, cared enough about it, and knew who he was to believe who he was, because he was so genuine. Like he read authentically in a way that only guys like Trump do, and which you need to actually break through like the, the kayfabe of politics to get at people who are not already invested in it. Uh, he was the guy. He was the potential, like, he, w- if anyone was going to do it, it was going to be Bernie Sanders. But the thing is, if he was going to do it, he would have been able to do it in a country where in the smaller hothouse of the, of the uh, primary campaign, where you have individual states, where you have turnout that is much lower than it is in a general election, that you can micro-target through outreach, which you can You do, because you have a big army of motivated volunteers and a ton of money from people willing to fucking boot it in for it. And they did it. They fucking did it. I saw it, folks. I saw it. And it got results. But what it didn't do was get decisive results. And we know that because whatever you want to say about the DNC rigging it for Biden, at the end of the day, if Bernie had been able to expand beyond the base of Democratic uh, primary voters, it wouldn't have mattered that they coalesced around Biden. Because he would have been able to have a chunk that could have still overwhelmed them, he was left with this fragment. It was never. It had the lowest. He had the lowest floor, but he also had the highest ceiling. Just what we found out, because it wasn't going anywhere. Because no one was coming in from outside of it, because the door had closed. And now we get these results, where we see uh, that yes, the DNC strategy of appealing to uh, suburban Republicans worked they moved there the white people moved white people with college degrees or associate social status moved to by that happened and it might have been enough for him to still win but at the same time not only do you see a continued drop away in working class white uh, uh, um uh, Working-class white Democratic vote, but what's this? You're seeing a racial realignment among Latinos here, and even a little bit among Blacks, where now the, the, that 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 bifurcation is now extending beyond the dreaded white working class. Maybe it's just the dread white working class were like the canary in the coal mine, and because they were privileged, they didn't really get uh, get a fair hearing when they started getting pissed off that everything was going to shit around them. Because, hey, they didn't have it as bad as the minorities. But now these people who are supposed to, by the fact that they have it worse than white people as a group, are supposed to inherently band together and against whiteness. What's this? Turns out that the culture shit works on them the same way it works as everybody when all you're doing is clicking channels. And this is what you're saying. You're not getting this structural bullshit about, like, what these things mean, what these cultural uh, uh, arrangements are. You're literally just creating two political parties uh, where the message is from one don't be a pussy and the other is don't be an asshole and you gotta pick one and that is a question that is asked on a devil that transcends things like race it gets to like fucking like deep uh, like primal associations with you know like concepts like aggression versus cooperation like deep hardwired stuff and all that stuff that's supposed to matter shatters and so we're seeing no coattails and so even though this might be enough to get Biden across the finish line, what it did not do, and no one can deny this, is that it has denied him the ability to govern. Right? We all get that. Everyone understands that, right? Like, no matter what happens here, governing is over. You're going to have a fucking uh, uh, a tied Senate maybe uh, with Biden uh, and a reduced House majority with Nancy Pelosi at the realm? Nothing will, done, will happen. Uh... And that is all because the, the coattails don't exist in that kind And of course, the model of the change people, the Bernie people that I was, was, well, if you got Bernie in there, see, he would have changed that because he would have got those working class people to vote for their material interests because he would have been engaging it. And I think that would have been true to an extent, and I think Bernie would have won much more decisively than this. But on the question of coattails and creating, like, a governing ability in this country... Uh, it's, it's, it's grim, it's grim, because what happened in this election is what the left broadly has been wanting to happen for a generation, which is for people to show up, to people to start paying attention, because the assumption is the mass of Americans, because they have like broad le- liberal left wing conceptions of, you know, uh, the, the working class and the, the, and the ruling class that they ascribe, that they believe, even if they might not agree on who those constitute, they believe that that is the central tension. Pol- they understand vaguely that that's the case because that's how, why they think of themselves as uh, on the left. Uh, is this so that if you can get participation, you can breach the walls around democracy and flood the zone with people just voting their own interests. But this election, we got that break hundred uh, 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 the the biggest turnout in a century, uh, shattered records everywhere because COVID made it easier for people to vote. So a lot of people. Who vote casually, which means they don't put a lot of emotional investment in voting, which means they have not ascribed to a lot of the cultural values around citizenship that lead you to wanting to be a member of the don't be an asshole party. Uh, They got out there and they're like, yeah, no, uh, don't be a fucking pussy. And I think that if Bernie had been out there, he might have got the same deal because at the end of the day, I honestly think this includes... Jeremy Corbyn is why I believe this um, is that people don't think that you, they can change anything with politics anything structural if it's structural it is by definition not political that is what we believe because that's what we believe and why do we believe it because it's what we live we it is the just our lived experience ironically enough our collective lived experience is capitalist realism it is that because we stopped having a uh, a tr- like a, a class adversarial relationship at the top level of government in the 70s, and that the democratic project has basically been dead since then, uh, and that as a result of that, the two parties don't argue about things like how how long should people work, what are the, should be the conditions of their work, what should be remuneration, what should be the standard of living for an American. Those questions are not political to people, even if we talk about them sometimes high-mindedly. And what that means is that at this point, I feel like if you get in front of a bunch of people, casuals who are going to just come into the polls because it's so easy now, they're going to hear you say, I want to get rid of get hit Medicare for all, and I want to make everybody have free college, just like Corbyn did, because Corbyn got to run a general election where he got to make his message spread. In a country where they have a fucking parliamentary system where if he got in power, he could actually have done some stuff. Because they don't have our stupid fucking constitution; it's a majority rule, and yet, in the, in the red in the red uh, the red there, the red wall, they went uh, with, they went for Brexit because Brexit was more real to them than the stuff Corbyn was promising because they didn't think he was telling them the truth. And even though some people are going to be disarmed by the genuineness of a guy like Corbyn and Bernie, and that's going to get you some people, it's not going to get you enough people and a lot of people are gonna see it and they're gonna be like yeah and then they're gonna go back to the big questions which are cultural and identity based uh and i think one of the big reasons that there's a disconnect here and that like the political class and by that i mean literally people who pay attention to politics at all uh and give investment into their vote uh they believe that um when they think of a political party they think of it as a historical entity. And they think of it as having a history of things that it's done. They, and, and as having a coherent platform that involves things like distribution of resources. But the thing is, that's only if you learn that shit and keep it in your head when you think about the Democratic Party. For these casual voters who will come in, if there's a, if there's a breeze, they will be blown into the voting booth. They, uh, they only see the party in front of them. And the Democratic Party is the party that is just says, "Don't be an asshole." In a wheedling voice, say, "Come on, guys, do we have to be so mean?" Because as Trump says, Trump's big rejoinder to the kids in cages is, "Who's built the cages?" And the thing is, we're gonna have cages, and the question becomes, culturally, are we gonna be an asshole about having the cages, or are we gonna be a fucking pussy about having the cages? And that's the difference. Liberals say, "I don't want. Don't be. We gotta have cages, but don't be an asshole about cages." Liberals, Democrat, Republicans say, "Look, we got to have cages. Don't be a fucking pussy about cages. That's it. Those are the two parties as people understand them, as cultural uh, 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 signals, like those things in older generations, the people that make up the leadership of these political parties and are largely like disproportionately hurt in its culture such that it this, it's political culture, it's self-conscious political culture. They all remember a time, lived in their lives, when there was some sort of uh, ideological coherence and meaning to the Democratic Party that involved material relationship. But people living now, certainly ones who just decided to vote in 2020, do not have that. They see the don't be an asshole party, the don't be a pussy party, and whether you want to be an asshole or a pussy in America comes down to, did you go to... Someone say it. Someone say it. College. Thank you. That's it. Boop! Educational attainment. Did you go to the etiquette school? A thing that used to get you entry into a real middle class, right? Because you'd get a professional degree and it would give you an access to a professional lifestyle. Those are gone. But the attendant social uh, 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 prestige is still there. And so people still go to college and consider themselves part of this thing even though it doesn't get them anything but the same gig economy job everybody else has but it changes the way they vote but not on a material basis because that's not part of our politics and then you have the people uh who and, and in college you learn you know hey we're, we're moving papers around in here we're 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 muffling all the horrible shit that our system creates all the blood that we create when we create a bunch of bullshit language that we talk to each other nicely Good, good phrases, and we raise our our pinkies up. We learn this from the British when we talk about how many fucking slave barges we've just moved through the port of fucking Equatorial Guinea. Uh, we have acculturated ourselves to the brutality of extraction, of being at the top of a pyramid of human misery, and the, so we've learned how to uh, kind of este- let off the steam of the anxiety of living that every day, the horror of it, in the form of liberal politesse. Like it used to be manners, it used to be religion. Then it became manners after God died. And that manners used to be, you know, in the old reactionary era, pinky extended, stiff upper lip shit. Manners now need uh, post-60s, uh, me, m- mommy, uh, we all we all love each other, hug box, uh, snowflake stuff, if you want to call it. Uh, And so you go through that fire and you get the message, don't be a fucking asshole. Now, the thing is, a lot of guys are going to hear, even going through that system, just because you think, I'm actually going to make money out of this. Like the ones who go into college thinking, hey, I'm going to really get a career out of it. The suckers, in other words, they're going to come out reactionary because fuck this. You know what? I want to be an asshole because the don't be an asshole thing. It's so awfully condescending and sadistic and contentless. It has no meaning related to anyone's actual lives. It says, keep your voice down." We're trying to study. And what if you don't fucking want to study? What if you don't fucking want to study, bitch? What am I studying for? You used to be able to say, I'm studying to get a job, but now that's not it. I'm studying so I can sit around with another bunch of people and pretend that I'm part of a fucking cognitive elite? Are you fucking kidding me? But one of the things about that was once you're out of that, there's the sucking sunk cost. And it's like, shit, I'm not backing. I'm not going back. I'm not going to be like my dad. No, no, I'm a good leftist. I'm a lib. And it's going to affect you regardless of what your, uh, uh, what your g- gender uh, demo is or race or whatever. But if you didn't have that experience, if those, if those manners and the anxiety, the social anxiety related to being aware of things like privilege didn't like seep into you and like become constitutive of your ability to enjoy yourself, which you can only get in those experiences of collegiate uh, brainwashing, then what do you know? You don't fucking give a shit. And that means when someone tells you to keep your voice down and tells you to don't be an asshole, you're not thinking, you know what, you're right. You're thinking, you're lying. You're just saying that to get me to be quiet because you're a fucking selfish asshole like we all are, and you're saying some bullshit about, oh, we're gonna do we're gonna all get good grades on the thing. It's just it's disingenuous. It's a lie. Oh, oh, the cage babies, you built the cages. And it's it's true. Because the conditions of American politics assume that there will be like there will be climate catastrophe there will be pandemic that will never be stopped there will be continued economic bottoming out there will be people killing themselves in greater and greater number indirectly indirectly there will be just social collapse like it, and, and the replacement with just the mere like uh, attenuated like nerve endings of pure stimulus response the people who can bury themselves in the internet to find some like reason to keep moving forward imagine frontier they can walk through into the digital realm while everybody else just, just dissolves. And we are seeing this with the vote. We are seeing this with the vote. Cla- race is being, uh, we're seeing the poll. Now, the biggest weight, the most dramatic one you can see is Latinos. And of course people say, ah, those Latino men, it's the machismo. It's like, well, that's kind of true in like a vague sense in the sense that the don't be an asshole party uh, is feminine, culturally marked, and the uh, don't be a pussy party is masculine. And so if it's just down to boys versus girls, if politics is just boys versus girls, and go- you think you're a guy, well, why wouldn't you pick guys? Unless you wanted the girls to like you. And you only learn that when you're sitting around with the other kids at the fucking tea party in college. So if it's the dudes rock party and the uh, and the hens party or whatever, I don't know. The, a woman should name the, the 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 equivalent of the dudes rock party because obviously this is not dudes rock. It's awful. It's toxic masculinity. It literally it is. It's awful. It's bad. It's political expression is noxious and awful. The policies it proposes are terrible, but they're the same policies and the same outcomes that the Democrats do. They're just coded differently. And so because Latinos do not experience race in America the way that black people do because no one in america experiences race the way black people do and the idea that like because we race like we invented racism you know through capitalism but like branding black labor for to keep it you know uh trackable in absence of greater technological ability like if we had if they had chips in people's uh wrist that could like blow up if you weren't working enough they wouldn't need a color system it was that I'm taking people to the new world. I don't want them to just run away and start a farm with the Indians. It's just a hell of a lot harder to do if you have a completely uh, alien uh, culture and fucking a, a notifiable color difference that marks you as, 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 as out of place, if not uh, 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 accounted for. And so th- and, but then we took all, like, re- the people outside of this mostly, liberal whites, basically created these theories where, like, they listened to minorities, they listened to lived experiences of being a minority, but then they took them and applied them to the only rubric they knew, which is white and black. And Latinos do not experience race the way that white black people do. And the evidence for it is this fucking election. Like, look at think of the way that, like, uh, think of the way that, uh, that Trump guarantees that the, like, he will never get. No Republican will get more than 10% of the black vote. Right? It doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. He might have done a little better with some black men, but that's the ceiling for. And that's. And if you think about it, when you think of the way every other demographic breaks down in this country, that's an insane statistic, especially when you consider how many black people there are in this country. That's a crazy amount of real estate that they are seeding and cannot even hope to get off the block. Meanwhile, Latinos are fl- fluid. And even though he went hard anti-Hispanic, he went hard anti-immigrant. Hardcore anti immigrant And that said, oh God, what are they going to do? He actually didn't do that bad. He did a little better than Romney, I believe, with Latinos. And then, what's this? He's done even better again. Because all that stuff about kids in cages, it's not experienced as like that level, at the visceral thing. Like, the BLM stuff, like every police killing, I think, it reverberates through the black community in like a shockwave. But like kids in cages, if you're an American Latino, there are so many different things that can mean from being a fucking gusano in South uh south florida to like a uh, like a fifth fourth generation mexican american in in texas or something you're an american and those kids in cages aren't and that's deeper they're not your fucking kids they're from fucking they're not it's not they're like i'm not they're from fucking el salvador i don't know those fucking people they're not my kin the way that, like, George Floyd's death is felt as, like, a collective uh, attack by black people. And so that means they're not going to respond to race the way black people did, which means they're not going to be the malleable mass that the uh, college-educated elite that make up the Democratic Party can mold to their liking. Oh, no, what's this? It's packing away. Oh, no, our, our stuff's only working on the college-educated ones. Oh, shit, what about the rest of them? Oh, no, oh, what's this? The society's breaking down along class lines. Oh, look, it's, they're going away. And what is that? They went to the dudes rock party. They fucking exiled themselves to the dudes rock party because that's what they care about. They care about dudes rocking. They don't care about some fucking, some... Mexicans in Mexico hate Central American immigrants. What the fuck do you think American Mexicans? People who are American, remember, none of these people are going to get an ICE raid. By definition, they're voting in an American election. And so they see this as like, look, I'm in America. I have a barbecue. I don't want some fucking uh, guy who speaks like, what, some Central American Indian language coming up to me and taking my fucking uh, grill or like asking me to wash my windows. Fuck that. We gotta have a barrier. How do we have a barrier? We have a fucking wall. We're gonna have wall. We're gonna have cages. There's gonna be kids. Oh God. Don't be a fucking pussy about it. And of course, like, the, the, the black thing is going to be a little different, though. You're not going to see that happen. Because part of that dude's rock lifestyle we're talking about involves explicitly in a way it does not with any other racial group in this country, not being black. Not like a specifically like blood quanta stuff like liberals do. Like the 23andMe psychos who it's like, well, look at my fucking thing. I'm 116th something and that means that I should be the chair of African American fucking studies or whatever. Um, they uh, they're like, no, it's an Americanism. It's an American nationalism. And that means that, like, Latinos, yeah, uh, look like, but black people, no thank you. And that means that you're going to see college-educated uh, blacks get even more dedicated to being Democrats and non college educated uh, blacks not voting GOP, just not showing the fuck up. And why the hell would you? Why would you care about this fight between these two things when you have no investment in the, in the fucking outcome because you are not invested in the state project to the degree that they are, because they're not aware of their collective uh, 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 exploitation and their collective alienation, which, they know, which is class-based, that is based not on income, but is on class and is disproportionately felt by African-Americans, but is uniquely among African-Americans felt collectively, whether you like it or not. And some of them don't like it and become Republicans, but that's a minority. Most of them are going to see this shit and check the fuck out. And what that means is, is that the only reason that Democrats ever had for thinking that they were going to be able to, like, take over politics in time to stop this country from just burning to death in the fucking lava field uh, is that, well, the demographics. Look, we're getting younger and we're getting browner. Brownie of America. But the thing is that brownie of America is not a black any of America. The, the, the population of the U.S., the U.S. black population, I believe, is decreasing. Or if it isn't, it's steady. It's Latinos. It's Asians. And if, that, if they can be melded into the dude's rock, uh, uh, keep the noise down party structure, you're going to see the emergence of two political parties that are going to fight what appears on paper to be a class war between rich people and poor people. And it's going to be fought on those terms. And the Republican Party will, to some people, look like it is now the party of the working class. But, uh, oh, what's this? Working class just means culture bullshit. Oh, no. It's completely, it doesn't, like, because we've assumed everything else, because, remember, while all this is going out, the gears are turning, the system is pumping out the only outcome it can do, which is profit extraction through stripping and destruction and undermining of the American fucking uh, uh, economy from the inside out to get the last bits of fucking profit out of this thing as the rate of profit sinks. And because we've created a situation where our ruling class is this, like, lumpen uh, billionaire class of non-self, like class, unconscious rich people, which is not supposed to be a thing. Like we, there, we have literally a lumpen ruling class in this country, and and when I say this country, I mean the whole Atlantic sphere, like the NATO sphere. Uh, the uh, that, it's a fucking um, it's it's just a bunch of it's, it's the way it's it's the that it's the thing that government structures exist to prevent from happening which is the direct competition of capitalism reducing and destroying all profit and surplus instead of allowing it to be uh, hoarded by some. That's what government's supposed to uh, correct, but we've created a system now where because uh, uh, politics died in the 70s, it's been dissolving. And so now there's no way that it can respond to changing conditions because changing conditions were the only thing. It was the only temperature gauge we had. Things got worse. Uh, Pressure built up. Uh, you had fucking uh, steam rising and you had to address it. But that fucking, the, the monitor's broken now and it just steams off into culture war. And so that means that if we do get this like big realignment where it's like a working class Republican Party, which I think honestly is inevitable probably, it will be totally divided of any meaningful connection to a working class project that has any meaning, any any hope, and when I say meaning, any hope of creating the conditions to transcend <laughs> the the, um, contradictions of capital and move to another fucking stage of human development? Because that's the only question anybody should be asking about politics. It's like, do these conditions allow us to actually build a future? And uh, the answer here is no. It cannot. So, the real issue here is that uh the system cannot be defeated from outside of itself. It's completely self-contained. Uh and I want to and for anybody who's saying actually no, you know, uh, I think that there is something to this working class Trump thing and I think you Tucker know, Carlson is going to be like he's going to synthesize Trump into an, uh, Trumpism into a working political economy and then that's going to he's going to use the revanchist, you know, uh reactionary heart, the cultural like, you know, uh uh the r- cultural Gag reflex of like you know traditional culture to real, fend off the worst excesses of capitalism, which is essentially the Duganist thesis. Alexander Dugan is like the mastermind behind Putin, but it's mostly full of shit. It's it's, it's, the, it's the it's it's all like fourth period. It's 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 Steve Bannon shit. And that's the dream. That's the fantasy. That's how you convince yourself to sleep at night after your coke binge that no, this is for the good of humanity. Uh, the real the real the real smart people, the real dead eye geniuses, they know that that's all bullshit. They know that's all bullshit. And the proof of it is, look at Trump's campaign. If Trump won this election, because remember, the thing that matters is the votes. And the votes came out and the votes said, people walked... People walked into the voting booth during a unprecedented pandemic that had seen 200,000 Americans die, no end in sight, and in fact the highest rate of infection we've had since the thing fucking started. An economy that is bottoming out. Millions, millions threatened with eviction by the end of the year. Uh. Uh, uh, genuine signs of like a deep penetrating and long-lasting recession. And fuck that. It could. We're talking depression. People just don't want to say it because that's one of those words that triggers things and we don't want to trigger anything, do we? Shh. They walk past that fucking tire fire And because they were just pushed in by the breeze—remember, these are the casual voters who filled the roles because it's easier to vote now—they saw the two choices, and uh, they voted Trump. And you can say, no, they voted because he says he's going to bring the jobs back. You could have argued that in 2016, and that's the thing. We had a quantum space. We were floating in space for those four years. We were in a quantum superposition between—that happened uh, because—well, we know why it happened. It happened because the Democratic project is doomed. DLC project is doomed. We're going to press this button and see if it connects to anything. And then there's two states. There, it, it, we were in the fucking Schrodinger's box for four years. The cat was both alive and dead. The American working class, as a concept, was the cat. And we took the fucking lid off, and the and it died, is what happened. Uh, the cat is dead. And now it's a question. And the thing is, I, my prediction, that I'm now owned by... oh. Was premised on my guess that the cat was alive, and I only thought the cat was alive because I'm as bu- bubbled in a cocoon of of media like self-satisfaction, where I really only talk to other people on the don't be a pus- uh, asshole divide of the don't be a pussy, don't be a how many don't be a fucking asshole people, or how many people, how many don't be a pussy people do you like interact with online to not make fun of in a day? No, come on. So you think yeah these polls are right, but it turns out polls are literally you. Even the ones who are, even the conservatives, even the conservatives, even the Republicans. These are the never-Trump Republicans in that screen. That's where they are. That's that's suburban shift. But that's just this, it's not connected to any other uh, data. And so then we get the moment, the actual tally. We see what people voted. We see when they saw the tire fire. They saw a situation where it was, this current situation, hell world, exploding everything, corona, disaster. Guy who's keep doing it, someone else. In every previous, like, crisis moment in American history, like, 1932, when you had the Great Depression in a deep, deep spiral, and nobody doing anything to stop it, you add on the ballot the current state of things or something else. And it was a no-brainer. It was a no-brainer, because you had this emergent working-class movement that was connecting to the Democratic Party in a way it never had from an ideological valence and not just patronage, which it had been. Like, the working class relationship, the relationship between the working class and the Democratic Party goes back to the 1820s when the Democratic Party was founded by my boy, Martin Van Buren. But it did not become uh, actually left-wing in any sense until the Depression. or until, uh, And then when the New Deal happened and when, when Roosevelt got it. That's what actually gave uh, uh, like working class Interests a stake in democratic politics. Because before that, the relationship with the working class was patronage networks. And it's not like patronage shit went away after the depression. In fact, the two things became merged. But before that, it was just patronage. In the thirties, boom, seat at the table. Why? Because people, just regular Americans pursuing their lives, not ideologically committed, most of them not having gone to college at that point, barely anybody, in fact. Very few people with manners, many people with problematic takes that we would all cancel them for now. I think we can say that pretty clearly. They saw the burning tire fire and they said no, give me something else please because everything was on the table because politics everyone understood to be the distribution of resources, splitting stuff up whether kids go hungry or not that's politics. And so when an election happens and something like that's happening hot damn I can help make this thing stop well we've had the biggest one of those since that election and the results are in person who is just casually engaged in politics, tries to better their life, they will watch the two options. And what was Trump's closing pitch? His last video was him dancing to YMCA and a bunch of hooting fucking chuds. He's talking about Luciano Pavarotti and how big his fucking dumps are and they can't go down the toilet. Give me one element of his his post-COVID pitch to this country that was tinged in any way with any genuine policy-based appeal to material conditions, especially considering, as I said, while he's campaigning, he's allowing a non-existent response to COVID to be the, the uh, only response, which is, of course, just destroying the working class, saying, you guys, you, we're not going to pay you to stay at home and uh, prevent you from getting sick and making your family sick. No, you have to work. You have to work. You have to get your family sick. And when you get sick, you don't get to, you, you're going to have to pay for it because we got to keep this thing going. That's on the, that's not, that's on the menu. This is prefix, motherfucker. That's not optional. And so you get there, you don't, you're not picking between this horror and something else. The horror is baked into the choice. It's how are you going to experience it? Are you going to live in hell like an asshole or a pussy? Are you going to get your kicks whining about it? Are you going to have some fucking fun going down with the ship? We're going to have a war in Afghanistan until we all die. Don't be a pussy about it. We're going to have a war in Afghanistan until we all die. Don't be an asshole about it. We're going to fucking get COVID until everyone's dead. Uh, okay, but let's pretend, huh? Let's like let's wear masks and let's be distant from one another. And hey, everybody, you know, let's, let's try to be responsible. Uh, yeah, everyone's going to get it. Everyone's going to fucking get it, dude. What are you doing? You're just getting, you're putting your fucking pinky extended. Give me some fucking hot, fla- hot wings. Let me go to fucking TGI Fridays. What difference does it make? And the fact that Trump got COVID and then didn't die, that sealed it for him. I mean, I'm not even talking about him winning or whatever. I'm talking about just him, him wildly overperforming for any other president previous to this time in American history running for president in these conditions. And his entire campaign was anti-fuck thugs being very unfair to our statues that we love. Him getting banned off Facebook. People being very nasty to it. Luciano Pavarotti and oh, Lady Gaga. And it all boiled down to lighten the fuck up. Yeah, everyone's gonna get COVID. Your grandma might die. You might uh, have lung scarring forever. You also might walk outside and get hit by a car. Why is there a fucking car? Why is there a giant vehicle that could just crush you at any given moment? Well, we got a road there. What do you want? We got to get the stuff to the stuff. Lung scarring and dead family members is just baked in now. Are you going to accept it and just fucking have some fucking fun while you can? Or are you going to whine about it? Are you going to cry about it? So Corona response doesn't, didn't hurt him. Because people just, people who hadn't really thought, Hey, what can the president do about this? Thought about it for a minute and said, Oh, nothing. But I really like the way he dances. He's pretty funny. He's sure, he sure seems more high energy than Joe Biden, who seems like he's asleep all the time. And what does he look like? And what are his policies actually? Like, why do I even care? Like, God damn, this Trump guy, he's he's pops. Look at him pop on screen. Because he's good at being on TV. He's good at being famous. Even in those, in those when he was like zooted out at the end, going to those rallies and talking about Pavarotti in front of these like be, absolutely bemused uh, hicks in fucking t-shirt, like fucking hearts and like, the fuck your feelings t-shirts, and he's like, yes, sir, Luciano Pavarotti, one of the three tenors, I believe. It was his performance. He says, you want, you want more of this on the TV or you want Sleepy Joe? And it's like, if that's the only question, then it's not a moral one. And that's where liberals get fucked up. They think, no, no, people aren't going to be, they're going to see the whore around them and they're going to be morally obligated to stop it. That would be if they thought they could, by voting. You think you can by voting because you've deluded yourself. You've gone to college and gone scr- scrambly brains. You've been brainwashed. You've been microwaved. Sorry. You can think your way away from it, but like that's going to shape your ability to understand the world around you. All that stuff that you think are moral horrors that Trump is responsible for, I think a lot of people don't see them that way. They see them as the weather. Are you going to complain about it, or are you just going to like enjoy it? You're going to go, you're going to hear those big rattling uh, thunderclaps, or you're going to cry under the fucking table like a dog about it, like a pussy. Um, And that's the question people are asking. And that's what they're going to keep asking, because as I said, this cannot be engaged with from below. No mass movement of the left or right will ever affect it, because it won't be a mass movement. It'll be a mirage of look like one that is only ever a part of the group of the party. They can either be apostate Republicans, and then you have a situation where, like, I honestly think if this Tucker Carlson thing goes anywhere, it's going to be the absolute mirror image of what, like, stupid Paul uh, people's talk about, like, the AOC wing of the Democratic Party. It will be a sheep dip operation. All those people, all those, like, true-hearted Americans, like those, those, uh, those guys who love America but did go to college, that's who they are, really. There's the guys who did go to college and fucking hated all the sanctimonious liberals. And now they really want more than anything to go back to the state of grace that they used to be in. When they were in the, the land of innocence, before they even knew that it was bad to be an asshole, they want to go back there. And like Tucker, whoever else, is going to be a, a, sh- a, a dog whistle to get them all to think that their petty identity politics which is all it's going to boil down to uh, is going to mean anything against the vast machinery of the Republican Party, which is just part of the greater vast machinery of the world capitalism that's not going any fucking where. And you're going to pull people who might otherwise have had some like, dim notion of like a civic duty to one another, like a, a, a di- dim remnant vestige of an idea, that is now just something you learn in college, not something anyone's have a lived experience of who's under like 60, of like a social obligation to undergird society. that's going to just pull you towards these twin poles, these fake parties that are going to fight this endless culture war until the world drowns. And they will be mirror images of each other yelling across the divide that the other one is either being a sucker or is a fucking grifter. And I feel like people say, well, what do we do about it? Obviously, that's the answer. It's like, well, if this is the case, shit, what do we do? We have the data now, all right. You can say, I told you so to the libs, but that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't matter. Because the notion undergirding a lot of the criticism of the Democrats here that I think is misguided and is going to be that they made a choice to run the campaign they ran. They did not make a choice. The logic of the party, the fundamental operating system of the Democratic Party, was rewired in the 1970s during the crisis that I like to talk about—the crisis of profitability in the, in the world capitalist system, where we had been the central, like, productive machi- uh, heart of, for a generation that piled up this unseen amount of wealth that we were able to dis- dis- uh, distribute to in a, in, a, in, a, in a obviously racially unbalanced but uh, but downward uh, redistribution—the whole system froze up. The fucking engine melted, and the political order had to put a new one engine in and just like in the 30s this crisis was happening but in the 30s the crisis was experienced as the crisis that it was but because of all those years of uh of you know relative security well where, where where these questions that had been live become deadened even if it's towards like a new deal uh social democratic like a uh, 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 status quo that status quo still becomes dead over time because it's not being engaged with from below, it was created by a huge downward explosion of energy from those working class movements, from the, s- the strikes and the wildcats and the fucking sit downs of the 30s. That pushed uh, the, uh, the working class on into the into the room where these qu- big questions were being asked. By the 70s, they were out of the room. The only people in the room were uh, people who had no class identification with working people either, like as an experience, as as a felt ex- felt lived life experience uh, or uh, materially had no connection to the working class at any time, had only an emotional and uh, psychological uh, uh, conception of the working class. And the thing is, is that any... Because if there have been any real fucking Democrats in the room, just like if there have been any real union leaders in the room in the 70s when all these things happened, and not just in the U.S., in France where there was the great turnaround for Mitterrand and, of course, in the U.K. uh, and... um, all throughout the fucking NATO sphere. That crisis came, and the people in those rooms, they had the titles of those other guys and girls, prime minister, secretary, uh, 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 treasury secretary of union or whatever, comp, you know. but the people in that spot had been changed by time to now be embedded not in the working class, but in this professional managerial class. And so that means when the working class is on the table, they're not, it's a corpse. And because if you were really in that room and you saw the stakes and you understood the stakes, you would leave. And you'd say, I can't be involved in this. And if enough of the people at the top and throughout the system were still engaged enough in politics at that point to get to that point, then you have a confrontation with capitalism, which must happen. And it did happen. It just happened behind the scenes. It happened behind our fucking back. And they slit the fucking throat of, of, of democracy in America, and it, it is done. And the, it was just, all right, we have to recenter the economy's profit engine inward. We're not going to be exporting anymore. We're, in, we're buying now. That means people are going to have to fucking spend and not make any money. That's the only way it works. So, how do we carve up this fucking turkey? And they said, well, the black people, uh, when we deindustrialize, well, you know, they haven't really built up a lot of working, of uh, uh, you know, middle class. Uh, Experience because you know, we so uh, unevenly distributed all that lucre after the war because of the racism, they we, we really can't buy them off. So, uh, uh, they're gonna have to be just shuffled off into prisons in a mass, uh, uh just a war on crime that annihilates uh, the urban centers and prevents them from becoming hotbeds of civil unrest. Uh, and then in the suburbs, we're just gonna give them bubbles bubbles, 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 credit, credit, credit. Uh, and their money they're they're not going to realize that they've actually gained nothing, they're passing nothing more on to their... Except for, ooh, what? Oh, yeah, that house. That house Grandpa bought after World War II. You still got that. Everything else. And they were only able to make those decisions because they did not, in a critical sense, have skin in the game. And that meant the party was different, and it became constituously different. Like, the Watergate babies were all... uh, They were all college-educated professionals in suburbs. The, 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 they became known as the Atari Democrats, and Gary Hart became kind of the, the their kingpin in the 80s. And then they essentially took over the fucking party completely. DLC was like a attempt to basically put uh, the Atari Democrats into a, uh, like, blue dog, southern and, like, midwestern democratic, uh, basically a way to, like, get uh, rural, get some rural votes out of, uh, and, and urban votes out of, You know, that coalition. Just to extend it a little bit. It had nothing to do with changing the undermined dynamic. And the thing is, is that that dynamic was set as soon as the working class was dead. You are now just the ghost of a democratic party. But you have to pretend that you're still living to fool everyone else. Now You don't know you're doing this, but that's what everyone is doing. They're making making trade-offs that you wouldn't make if you knew the stakes. And you don't know the stakes, not because you're not smart enough to know, but because it doesn't behoove you to know. Because your position is better if you don't know. There's no way, you as Upton Sinclair said, there's no way to convince somebody something that they're paid to not understand. And what that happened, what that meant is that like the project that I was a part of, the Bernie project, it was dead then. But no one fucking knew. How could you know? You have Reagan rearranging the landscape, and then Clinton shows up. You're being buffeted by the tides of history. There's no fucking sleer sailing. And Obama shows up looking like this absolute mirage until you find out, oh, no, he literally was just the, the embodiment. He was the anti-christical, like, Hobbesian Leviathan composed of this new group of people who are supposed to be the future, because look at their demographics. They're so young and diverse. But it's like, oh, No. Then the, the, the economy never got never recovered because it can't recover because it's just, just uh, it's secularly stagnant and we're all doomed to just strip life of every meaning and replace it with a, a fucking transaction that leaves us bereft. And that drive is going to make us madder and madder and it's going to make us less more and more alienated from the political system. We're going to be more and more mad at things and we're going to really want to things to change but our political system is not going to be able to accommodate that. And the parties whose job it will be essentially to absorb that anger is the working-class party of the Democrats. And they do that by finding the ang- anger points that can be profitably integrated into the greater agenda of capitalism unrestrained by human intervention. And that is identity. And the thing is, that's not the Democrats making a decision. If any, And also, they're doing it after the Republicans did it. The Republicans did that shit with um the Southern strategy. That was just white identity politics. And then that was the response. It's like, well, they got the they got the fucking uh, the whites uh they 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 got them in the divorce. Uh what about um how about we get some um what do you call them? Uh how about we get some of those uh those blacks? Let's do it. Good idea? Let's do it. And that's what they did. And uh That meant that everything then just built around, uh, every emergent crisis and misery of capitalism was recast as a cultural issue. Like, there's actual issues and policies at play, but the embedded ones that generate the, the problems cannot change. Only the epiphenomenal ones, like, I'm sorry, police brutality. Police brutality and police violence is epiphenomenal to this. It is not the wellspring. It is. It is the epiphenomenon. It is the system. It's. The, it's. The, it's the white blood cells of the system. of American capitalism attacking this. This tumor of like the undigestible, uh, prolonged. Uh, you know, uh, de- deprivation of like a racially classed underclass. Hold on. Let that be light. Okay, um. So the whole thing was dead then. But people fought the good fight in these systems, because they're the only ones we have. And only conditions can clarify our situation. And for me, and other people got here before me, and I give them credit, but also, hey, you know, if you want to do an end zone Dan Fant, fine, but. end zone zone dance, fine. But the whole point is to get people to a place, to an understanding. So that means that if they do it, don't get mad at them for doing it, and don't say that you're better than them because you did it first. Congratulations. And there are people who haven't done it yet, but I know for myself that clarifying moment has happened with this election. And what this means is that the Democratic and Republican parties will break away, will realign along this axis, and become a pure culture war spectator party, while... The actual business of American capitalism is con- concluded behind this, uh, the sh- scenes, which will be the deterritorialization of the Anglo-Sphere broadly into cantons of techno-feudal uh, overlordship. That's what's. That's where it's going. That's unless can, unless something intervenes, and it might, but it'll come from the bottom. As scary as that is for anybody who's not, because. You don't know what they're doing down there. You're not really one of them. You're only guessing what they like, what they think, what their instincts are. Are they really? Maybe they're all, maybe they are all savages. Oh, God, they scare me. Maybe I I do like this police state now. Maybe I do like the idea of government. Actually, you know what? All that drone striking and uh, uh, prison population stuff that we're doing, you know what? I've decided it's actually good. Uh, The fact that now we have like a much higher uh, white incarceration rate and that therefore there's less uh, racial discrimination in our prison system. I feel like that's progress now. Because you've got to fight off those bad guys, the, the, the gremlin demons. But I'm sorry, that's where that's where the power has to come from. Because this system is, the, uh, the 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 ships are in collision course, the 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 the, the, um, the wheels are lashed to the fat masts, and they're going to smash. And what's going to be left? The remnant of that is just going to be whatever capitally accumulated system of private power has been accumulated. And the thing is. Uh, that's because I really think, um, wait a minute, what was communicated? Shit, I just, uh, yeah, so there's no, there can be no interference with this. There can be no transcending of this within itself. Like I said, within itself. Like, that, and, it's, and this is, for me, this is a continuation of a realization I had about Twitter. I was like, oh, this isn't politics, this is a mirror shade of politics. Real politics must be engaged with in the real world. But now I realize that, oh, no, that extends to the electoral, and not just electoral, because people who, like, don't vote as a principle. I'm sorry, they're voters at heart. There don't be pussy people at heart, because they have imbibed that, uh, that civic ethos. Most people are just not paying attention. Um, so, and that's when I realized, oh shit, like I was wrong about basically everything. I mean, I feel like I was right in that I understood a lot of the, like, I feel like I'm kind of recapitulating a lot of stuff I've been saying for a while now, like, but it's all a growing, creeping dread. And the reason it's only a creeping dread is because you can't know. There's so much other data. There's so many other possibilities. What are they building in there? It isn't until you have something like an election as in 150 million people saying what they want at once basically do you actually get the snap out of it and be like oh that quantum superposition the fucking uh, the cat thing it's over and the reason this is happening it's nobody's fucking comp- it's not the fucking cultural Marxists uh, it's not it's not the fucking uh, it's not the Frankfurt School or, or anybody it's not, and it's not white supremacy uh, it's not the it's not the just the racial hate at the heart of America. I'm sorry, it's not that either. Uh, it is the fact, the bare fact that we have collectively been stripped of political subjectivity as we used to understand it as people as, 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 a, as a fucking species. Political subjectivity meant the, the, the like uh, the 19th century immersion understanding of oneself as a liberal subject among equals uh, participating in a political process, to chart the destiny of broadly understood a a, a group you might think of some people thought of themselves as internationalists like this communist a lot of people thought themselves as nationalists but they still thought that there was something there that they were working on behalf of and what what our free real estate what what the fat of the land strategy what the shut up and eat strategy of american rule that uh, with, that just developed out of the sheer fact that we had all this land that we could just distribute and then all this resources by the by the fact of the world war ii to distribute, then that we could just put off all this stuff, and th- and then like so, all this class anxiety that should have been building up, like even, like even with plenty, there should be there should be class antagonism and alienation building up. It is, but the thing is, it's all being steamed off into culture, uh, because uh, we're able to buy people off. But now we can't buy anybody off anymore. We can't buy anybody off. Everyone's going to be miserable. Everyone's lives are going to be worse. The kids' guys are going to be worse than theirs are. All you can do is. Blame someone for it. Political theater involves finding someone for your, someone that you have imagined as an other that the techno-state can punish on your behalf. Techno-state's not going anywhere. They're going to be throwing people in jail, they're going to be shooting people in the streets. Someone's blood's running. The good guys are the bad guys. Schmidian reasoning. Which is fascist, and I'll get to that. Um, And... That's what happens not out of like some sort of you know, white supremacy or some uh, woke plot by capitalism to, to uh, exploit identity politics. is because people don't experience uh, life through a lens of class at all. They, ha- they have class experiences, but they are experienced not on class terms, but on gender, race, demographic terms. That is how they feel them. That is how it absorbs into them, and that is how they express their politics, which means we move to this carbon copy world without us even understanding that, so that when the time of crisis came in the 70s, oh shit, have we been building ourselves to a conflict with capitalism because we've come to a crisis point? No, we spent the crisis point fighting over this big pie that we all had, not knowing that the pie was gonna start fucking shrinking. And so now it's all about blaming somebody because we're not part of a class We are 100. We're 350 million individual American consumers, with individual, um, mediated, capitalized identities. Pringles in a tube. The raw peasantry of the world, and it is a peasantry. Like America is a country of peasants. Like. If you were enmeshed in a in a in a, a bourgeois like uh, life matrix for the most part in most of like early formation of America, you stayed fucking put. It was the goddamn excess fucking mouths in the countryside who came to America, no matter where—Central Europe, fucking uh, uh, Ireland, and uh, um, Italy, uh, throughout. Uh, and we got turned not into workers, we got turned into consumers because while we were building this post. Post-New Deal uh, political power, the engine of our um, of our mobilization uh, motivation, which was class-felt antagonism, class-felt alienation, is steaming away from life and being replaced. Because you got a house now, you got a backyard, you got a knife. Hey, this is pretty nice. Why do you have to work? Your concerns are no longer material because you're taking it for granted. And so we had a ghost of a political movement already even before the fucking thing hit, and it wasn't until that happened when those guys in those rooms made those decisions. Volker Shock, put uh, we're putting a bullet through the heart of the working class, and we're going to use bubbles and credit to keep us going. And people are going to have to learn to live with less, like Carter said, but then Rager came figured out, yeah, they're going to have to learn with less, but hey, you fucking yokel, you don't have to tell them that, you fucking stupid hick. You tell them we're just going to cut your taxes, you fucking moron. Because Carter was a better man than Reagan. Because Carter was a good enough man to see what was in front of him and how horrible it was, in a way that a lot of those other lizards weren't. But he wasn't uh, connected to the working class as a concept enough to realize the stakes. He moralized his way into thinking, well, if I just tell everybody to wear a sweater and be nice to each other, it'll be okay. It's like, good intentions, but it didn't matter because you didn't have anything. But that's not anybody's project. That is the dematerialization of American politics. And so what this means is that the Democrats cannot act any other way than they do. With no political subjectivity, there's no way that the misery and disenchantment of living in this world will be funneled into a ch- coherent challenge to the existing structure of the Democratic Party. It will just bleed out into cultural uh, resentment. Now, some of it will go towards political targets, but a lot of it will just go to people's, like, people they don't like in their lives, like somebody who stole their headphones, or you know, somebody who doesn't know how to raise their kids, or somebody in the next town over of the wrong race, or whatever the fuck. Whatever like, thing that just can r- satisfy that urge to make somebody pay for why everything's so miserable. And that's the only thing anybody's going to vote for. And you're going to either get the abstract expression of like actually punishing somebody... For, for something, or the uh, the, the the more uh, the more civilized voter type form of boop going yes please we'll have a we'll have one murder I'll have some mur- i some murders please could I could I have some murders I, mean, I would I would like uh, the FBI to raid a uh, Proud Boys meeting and shoot fifty people could could I have that please yeah, yeah, what do you got? Can I get some, uh, like, 15 BLM guys getting run over by a fucking uh, killdozer? And then Trump uh, uh, gives a fucking medal to the guy in the White House lawn? It's like death machine either way. And the thing is, the funny thing is, is you're not even really picking who's going to get it. You're picking is who you are going to feel good about it happening to. That's it. You're just putting a cone of, like, perception around some people that you can feel bad for it, or feel good about fucking up, depending on if which party you're from. And the Democrat Republicans can't do it different either. There's no class base to this. There's no class base to this move to the to this working class move for the Republicans. None at all. And if you can look at any of this stuff from, from Trump's actual term, in terms of things happening, like policy happening, helping working class people, which of there is zero, uh, and then the actual—it's all you're picking that shit out of pepper. You're you're pulling the turd out of the back of the fucking shrimp and saying this is the thing, because you're sitting there with the other politically obsessed dipshits, entertaining yourself with politics like it's a sport because that's the kind of thing you think when you go to fucking college. And so any, like I said, any 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 pop national populist movement is just going to be the same fucking sheep dipping grift as a left wing version of it would be that people are freaking out about it and the thing is that was happening that was coalescing during Bernie like oh shit there is this new like wave of alienation oh no we better make sure it's not directed towards class that was a project for sure and it worked to an extent but it didn't matter because the people you needed to hear the story the people who needed to hear the whole fight you were having in one way or another or even if they heard it to assign value to it didn't Because Bernie was selling a line of bullshit. If they knew who he was, he was selling a line of bullshit. Because if you say something like, I'm going to give you free healthcare," they say, well, you're lying. Okay, what are you really going to do? Just like with Corbyn. Corbyn put social democracy back on the ballot, and they said, I want Brexit because Brexit was real to them. Even though Brexit is fucking not a thing. I mean, none of the things that... It's not a thing in the sense that when you press the button for Brexit, basically nobody who is doing that is doing it with any expectation that Brexit will accomplish that fact. It will only... Punish the people they don't like. Again, you can make it- you can make a left case for Brexit, and of course, the fucking EU is terrible. But leaving the EU, because it's part of this system, it's part of this collapsing contraption that's heaving towards defeat and destruction and, and, and this bleeding robot corpse uh, can only fucking hurt. It's not gonna be a good left, there's no gonna be fertile left brown. And I think. That this election, once and for all, settles the question of, like, is fascism here? And I think that, once again, we got turned around, spinning in the fucking uh, quantum wave, waiting to be brought into superposition by the election. We were, like, yelling at each other about, well, Trump's fascist, I don't know. What's your definition of fascism? Are we talking about, Uh, uh, what, is it just racism you mean, or that's not that's not fascism, well, actually, I think the country's always been fascist, America's always, what, That fascism is already here, that was all waving at fucking ghosts because you were talking about 30s fascism I mean, even if you can say, no, no, it's an American fascism, no, if you're using the word fascism if it's gonna mean anything, it's gonna mean the thing and what that thing was, what the 30s was, was yes it was capitalism in crisis, yes, it was capitalism bringing the fucking colony back to the fucking uh, metropole to, to, you know enforce, uh, authoritarian extraction economy, to, to replace profit loss. Uh, yes, but it is, it, but what is its political expression? It's political expression is the aestheticization of politics, where you take the politics, which is in the 30s for people, hey, sharing, shaping human society. That's what people thought politics was in the 30s in Germany and Italy, shaping human society because they were fresh with it. This was like the first like, liberated work, uh, class conscious, group of people in human history, basically. And uh, fascism was a way to square the circle by taking that enthusiasm for change, the idea that you can change things, and directing it towards these notions of, like, national, uh, national identity, uh, a, 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 of course an internal other who must be defeated because you can't have the one without the other, uh, as an as antidote to communism. And it worked to an extent in that it was mostly effective among the lower fucking class, the, the lumpen, essentially the lumpen bourgeois. And that's who we got. That's all we are. No matter what your job is, you're in your life experience, the fucking lump and bourgeois. But the thing is, is that you are no longer a political subject. You have the political, you have the class cut characteristic, but you do not experience politics the same way. And so applying a table like fascism to it doesn't make sense. Because as I kept banging the drum, reading up to this, we don't have fascism in this country because fascism is about the asceticization of politics. Taking the project of, of, of politics and turning it into life. Making politics like life like strength through joy projects national greatness because we have no political subjects in this country what we have instead is post-fascism which is um where aesthetics is politics andrew breitbart was on the right track when he said politics is downstream of culture i was was like that's not true because like i'm a marxist but i didn't understand it's like it shouldn't be true but we have created this unique freak show situation where it is fucking true and now it's even more true. Politics is no longer downstream from culture. Politics is culture. And that is post-fascism. And you might say, well where's all the where's all the uh, the scary stuff that you know, is it the crowd boys, is it the police? It's like, is it Trump? It is literally everything, man. And it has been for a while. It's essentially has been since the seventies. When the public space collapsed, something was gonna fill the fucking gap. And what it was in the public sphere is our fucking wavy ass, uh, wavy gravy bullshit, uh, diaphanous culture politics. And behind the scenes, what it was was the total militarization of society and the technological intensification of our methods of surveillance and enforcement, as well as good things like fentanyl and uh, massively available, you know, uh, 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 mind soothing drugs and potents and entertainment options beyond belief, all of which get huge amounts of money, create whole new revenue streams to make up for the old dried up revenue streams and keep things pacific. You don't need people. You don't need brown shirts. The brown shirts is everything. The brown shirts is just the air you breathe. But that's not fascism. It is post it as a concept. And the reason that's important is because that's the only way you can think about it that reminds you, oh yeah, this can't be street battles then. This can't be fighting along these political terms. These can't be this LARPing campaign between these joint members of the college party, one of whom are pissed, one group of whom are pissed that they're in there and they want to be in the other one. And then they fight each other over who's the right person and who deserves the misery that's being inflicted on all their heads by fucking neoliberalism. And that's the key about this. That's the real fascism as it's going to intensify. The post-fascism is it's going to intensify into just, you know, like I said, techno-feudalism. Like, like Amazon warehouse encampments where you like live work uh, and get your nutrient paste like that all sounds like a cliche but it it is in everything and it's not it's not even a joke anymore it's, it's, you're not you're not even gonna get any like satirical buzz by saying that it's, it's so sub- com- evidently true. And what that means is, is if, if we're going to try to like fill in the void of people who are essentially just entertaining themselves with politics even though they think they're really doing politics if we're going to fill it with enough energy to keep them invested it's going to have to mean that all politics will become essentially sadistic and all politics will be about voting to punish either the pussies or the assholes and you can say well that real people you're talking about real issues and real body people in cages and, and you know real climate stuff and it's like yeah it all is it's all true and the body count is going to shift depending on who's in charge for sure specific bodies are going to fall differently one way or the other but the fucking main mass of human misery and the drift towards oblivion is uncheckable within the system so voting from now on i think like i said it has been since the 70s but it takes a while to fucking come to these conclusions some people came earlier brava. i have not is it voting at this point and has been for a while is it's like voting like voting for Heydrich or Himmler to, like, replace Hitler in 1965 to, like, who's going to sign a better treaty with the Japanese? You know, it's like, oh, should we, like, should we really be fighting over, uh, you know, the remnants of Mongolia? Like, uh, can't we just take a chill? It's like, fuck, no. It's like, and then now oh, you know, there's the moderate Nazis, which is literally the end of, the hilarious thing is that that's how the first season of Man in the High Castle ended where Hitler is, the like, the reasonable moderate. He's like the never-Trump Nazi against the crazy man Heydrich who wants to start World War Three That's basically in, like, and a, 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 a less obsc- obscene, of course, like, we do have real differences. But in broad strokes, that is what politics is. Just in the sense that it cannot be the engine of a change. Like, the system no longer has the political participation. And that's why uh, Amber said something on the stream last night that really hit me. Like, the thing that makes sense now, 2024, who's running for president? Donald Trump Jr. versus Ivanka Trump. Because Trump, no matter if he wins or loses this fucking election, is now... We live in his America in the sense that he has changed politics in that he has heightened the stakes of it as an entertainment. He has both brought poor people in just because he's entertaining to look at, but he has heightened tensions due to his, his unconscious, just maestro-like ability to pluck people's sensitive spots related to things like identity, the things that cleave them to politics. And so if, if it's Trump no matter what, then the Trump family should really duke it out between the college people and the non-college people. Now, of course, at the top, they all went to college. Guys like Josh Hawley, they all went to college. Turner Carlson, they all went to college. Obviously. There's tons of college-educated guys in the non-college part. There's, they're, there's, they're the ones directing the show. But they have an affect. They have views, all of which are cultural, even if some of them they pretend are material. DJ DJ, Mr. Carhartt Hillbilly, I like, uh, triggered, uh, epic Groiper, fucking rich kid, fancy lad. Ivanka, impeccable uh, graceful mannered lives in New York wants to be still be friends with all of our Upper West Side fucking uh, 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 cocktail girly friends the divide's right there and eventually we will all be ruled by the fucking inbred midsummer descendant and the fucking laws will be us scrying from his shit scribbles and so the question then is like all right, well where does change come from I think I have to uh, charge this phone. It seems to be... Uh, it seems to be losing gas. I think that might have helped it. Uh, I hope it doesn't run out of battery. Um, so where does change come from? Well, if we are in that situation where it's like... its We're at the same state, like... We're at the same stage, essentially, in our development that if we want to put a crude, like... A uh, comparison to the Nazi Germany uh, is like after uh, after the Enabling Acts, basically, we're past. If like if 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 if, if the Volcker shock is like the Enabling Acts of post of like spectaculized post uh, 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 s- spectacleized entertainment based uh, techno uh, post fascism, uh, then how uh, how do you defeat it? You can't defeat it from within. Nazi Germany held pretty... I mean, there was very little internal resistance to, to its uh, project. It was from without. It was from a force that was able to marshal enough human material to defeat it. And of course, like, we helped, but at the end of the day, we were just a different version of them who had just gotten there earlier. Like, the Anglo-Sphere War with Germany was essentially over the Third World. It was... Basically, we got there first from England and the United States and France to Germany and Italy and Japan, who came late because they developed their economies later in the 19th century, but realized at the same point, oh, this line only points down, fuck, we have to, um, we better fucking think of something, let's start invading people. We can't invade anybody. The Brits and Americans already have all the fucking land. What are we going to do? they got to crack open somewhere. And so, Lebensraum and the fucking greater uh, East Asia co-prosperity spear. But the real horror of it, from the point of view of the Anglosphere, was that they were trying to horn in on turf that had already been taken. So, that was essentially a, a sibling rivalry. The real enemy was the Soviet Union. And the thing is, is that the Soviet Union was not... Like, I'm talking about how like this world, this, this system we have, is not a project that can, in its current condition, get us to cap- communism. The Soviet Union was not either, and like that one is definitive. Like we can't say that about now, really, because there's still contingency that could emerge. We can say it very definitively about the Soviet Union. Why? Because it's gone. Because it's a fucking it's a it's a kleptocratic uh uh uh, it's an absolute cre- it's a kleptocratic uh nightmare gangster state. It's like devolved capitalism. It's our future. It is the techno feudalism, just less techno, more mm, 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 tetro, and less fucking Amazon drone techno. Um. so but they were able to defeat defeat Nazism, which was good, even if they themselves were you know an attempt to like st- create this like zombie communism out of uh, like this this just resource extraction machine that just turned them into a state capitalist enterprise uh, and um. But it was—it did very necessary and progressive work. It also, while it was around, helped shape a lot of the post-war world in towards a democ- social democratic way. It pushed. It helped give people like leeway in the third world away from imperialism. It helped push the, the center of gravity left in Europe and the United States and Latin America. That was all good. It did the job. But then once it stopped doing the job, once once it was gone, which was the real bye-bye, and that was the inevitable uh, uh, end of the '70s, because as soon as like. As soon as the Union was cut off completely from any hope of a, a working-class collaboration outside of the, uh, the, uh, the second world, it was over. So we're, we're, we are in a world now where confronting us is this system where we are ruled over in this, this Atlantic uh, you know, global economic order, this, the, the dollar empire. Uh, that is completely ruled by what is now a fully atomized and lumpen ruling class. Because when I'm talking about the de-atomization and declassifying stuff that's happened, it didn't just happen to the working class. It happened to everybody. It happened to the ruling class too. And now they have so compromised the political structure of this country to pursue their naked aggrandizement to to, to strip the wiring and get the copper piping out, cut taxes, keep profit, keep labor costs low, that they're destroying the thing. They're destroying the engine that allowed the thing to go. They're killing the golden goose because they don't have anything else they can do because anything else reduces profits and there's only one button on the fucking machine and it's more profits. That's that's the logic of capitalism. That's the, that's the algorithm. It's a teleology. Extract all profit until all profit is gone. There's nothing else. You can say there's other stuff but it all gets squished against that reality. So it, that's what we have. We have this like lumpen, this terminally decadent lumpen bourgeois capitalism. And what is... What is opposing it? And I gotta say, I look around the world, I don't know, there's a lot of stuff, I know a little shit about shit, but I don't know everything. Uh, it's China. We're fucking, we are all, to, to, to paraphrase Nixon, we are all dengists now. Because I do not think that China is a communist country, or, even, or a socialist country, remotely. It's not social democracy either, which I hilariously saw somebody call it. It's an authoritarian state capitalist enterprise. Because... Uh, the communist revolution was not like a real communist revolution. It was essentially a peasant. It was a cyclical peasant uprising that was like a feature of Chinese uh, uh, Chinese history for two thousand fucking years. It was essentially the culmination of a process that began with the Taiping Rebellion in the 1860s, when the Qing regime should have fucking toppled, but the Western powers kind of pushed the coke pan back over to prevent the coke machine from falling over. And then it wobbled around for a while, and then it smashed, and all the fucking goodies went everywhere. And the, when the communists took over, there essentially was not a mode of production we, as we understand it there. Which means they couldn't build communism. But communism is, you take the mode of production of capitalism, the development of it, and then you, tra- you, you, you further transcend its contradictions. They didn't have any contradictions to think. They had fucking they had ancestral patterns of, of, fucking, uh, of resource distribution and, and, and exchange and commerce. And they persisted since then. Cultural revolution, Great Work forward, none of it fucking moved any of that. But there got to be a point where you had people in charge who understood that they, they felt communism to them was Chinese in a way that communism wasn't for Soviets. Like, Soviets, it was not Russian. Like, there was, there was Soviet, there was always Russian uh, chauvinism, of course, in the Soviet Union. But communism was not Russian to Soviets the way that communism was Chinese to the Chinese. Because like, most of the places where there was a post-World uh, War II uh, communist insurgency or revolution uh, nationalism was engraved with it because you, they had not gotten to a point where they were able to create like a fully realized bourgeois democracy to create contradictions within itself so they were still stuck at the nationalist level that Europe was in in the 19th century and that's not their fault, they didn't do anything wrong, it's inevitable uh, but that's what happens and so we don't. it was not it's it's not, but what it is is it's essentially capitalism with Chinese characteristics, and the 21st century will be capitalism with Chinese characteristics and a capitalism with Atlantic characteristics, and what that boils down to is uh, the algorithm of capitalism working its logic of extraction and stripping resources and human degradation until we are it's one guy in a fucking Amazon fulfillment center with a gun to his a robot gun to his head, like delivering himself a package, um, and then like one guy on a fucking moon base with all the remaining money, like fucking a sex bot. And his 50,000th uh, 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 clone body. Uh, that's like Moilak and Uh That's that's it. Now, once again, not saying that's inevitable and has to happen because there's the stuff from below and that's happening in China and it's happening in here and we can't know what it's going to do. It's a black box because we're not in the box. We're here. We're here in the, 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 the discourse zone and we can't get out of it. We can only guess. So, I'm not saying black pill, foot, nothing matters. I'm saying it's going to come from the roots, and that's all you can say. You can't operate from the premises and try to make it happen. You can't! Unintervened with, it's capitalism with Chinese characteristics and capitalism with Atlantic characteristics. And so if it's like, alright, if that's our option, don't give me this bullshit about who has better human rights or whatever the fuck. because jack me off about that for a number of reasons one of which is like the Matt Stoller terror vision of the Chinese taking over like they imagine they imagine that if the Chinese took over they would imply the immo- the impl- they would import the amount of social coercion they use in China on here they absolutely would not do that why would they do that what would be in it for them they wouldn't need to do it we are all conditioned already we have our toys we're fine just give us a fucking rattle and a fucking Red Bull and let us watch fucking Blue's Clues we're good so it's nothing, nothing having to do with that. It's If the future isn't building socialism in the near term, it's um, essentially dealing with the uh, unstop rolling d- number of uh, exacerbating and, and echoing and resonating crises that are going to make up the 21st century. Climate-related fucking COVID is number one. It's like we're already doing, all these disasters are happening, but they're happening beyond the perception of like us this is happening to us, It's just kind of a thing. COVID is, a, is, is, is the first real event. Like global warming, it's all discrete stuff that is not this is materialized. This is a crisis. Like this is like model U.N shit, like crisis. How do you deal with it? And you give the, you got you the model U.N. Hey, Chinese team, you got a corona outbreak in Wuhan. American team, European team, because it's not just us, it's the entire anglosphere. European team, you got this. Alright, what's your project? What do you got? China? Yeah, we contained it. Locked it down. It's gone. You can go to Wuhan, the place where the fucking thing came from, and have a pangolin in a fucking uh, rave jacuzzi wave pool with 500 other people. Uh, how about you, Atlantis? Oh, we've all just uh, realized we're all going to die of it, or not. Uh, oh, maybe get a vaccine. Uh, but we're just kind of like working out how we're going to, you know, deal with the fact that we're fucking all going <laughs> to get this to me, this is uh, this is not a difficult choice, because they don't have a lumpen bourgeois or a lumpen uh, ruling class running their shit. They have the Chinese Communist Party, which, for now, anyway, seems to have maintained a degree of like self-consciousness, to some degree, understanding of China as a project, understanding of themselves as having a part in a project that is Chinese, as in. Like, the well-being of the people abstractly understood figure into things at some level? And you might say, yeah, but not really. No, of course not. People are sacrificed every day. It's a fucking thresher. We're all going into thresher. But they at least save some people from the fucking thresher. There's just thresh. There's just thresh. So, People say, this is dark, this is depressing. But for me, this was liberating. Because I realized, okay, we're all Dengists. We have to, in the coming conflict between uh, the the dragon and the eagle, we must back the dragon. Uh, And I think that's true. Uh, But the thing is, there is literally nothing I can do about this. At all. 0%. 0% I think can do. Can't do a thing. A thing about this i uh, not going to move to China. What am I going to do? Join the fucking Young Communist League? I fucking can't speak Chinese. They don't fucking need me. They have a billion fucking people. They're good. They have no use for me. All right, I stay here. I go somewhere else. What am I going to do? Am I going to go on Twitter and, like, argue about how many swimming pools they have at the Uyghur concentration camps and how that means they're actually woke? What difference does that make? It's all just in the fucking theatrical enjoyment sphere. It's all in the fucking holodome of political amusement. Am I getting anything out of this? If I'm not contributing to the Chinese victory, no. So why do it? The most you could ask of me is that, like, I will live my normal life, and I'll be like those early English romantic poets who would sit around and do opium and read each other's sonnets about how much they wish Napoleon would invade. So... This whole thing has just been the circle. I'm back to exactly where I was. I still have this political system. I still have this job. I still have this brain. I still got to do what I got to do. But I have just shed myself of an expectation of politics providing a meaning, being a vessel for pursuit that I thought it had. And what that means is, is that if I go forward talking about American politics the way I have the last four years, I will be a grifter, which many people, of course, have called me over the years. And I always never, I never got that. Like I give people a show, they want a show. What do these people mean? I'm not, I'm not lying to them to get a show. I'm not like Ristaleva. I'm not saying uh, you know pay for my wedding or uh, you know pay for my kidney replacement and then buy in a fucking vacation. It's the, the undergirding grift is that, and this is the reason everybody calls each other grifters is because in the political media, which is where the term grifter emerges and where people use to describe it, not just consumers and distributors, which is a lot of the same people, it is a understanding that we that there is no political. There's no political. Meaning to any of this, that all these arguments will flow towards no good end. They are being had for amusement. And so that means that if you talk about politics for entertainment and you invest it with meaning, you are grifting them. And the thing is, I think now that that's true, but only if you know (laughs) that it's empty. And I swear to God, hand to heaven, I didn't know. And nobody on the fucking chapeau knew either. I've fucking known these people and talked to them passionately over the last four years. I fucking know. They didn't know. We didn't know. I thought I was in the fucking quantum zone. I can't, like, this all makes sense now. This is all obvious now. But we didn't have the data yet. We had polls, which who the fuck knows? And like, what the fuck? It's like, we finally have the data. We have the fucking information. The box came, the top came off the fucking box. The cat is dead. Pretending the cat's alive now would be grifting. And so, I'm not going to stop talking about American politics, obviously. Sorry. I am going to promise right here to do it only in that entertainment mode and to not give the false impression to people listening that their consumption of the product of my show or a stream or anything I might put out is constitutive of political action. I mean, I was used to say that, but God, I didn't know how much I meant it. I was afraid to know how much I meant it because then what do I do with my life? And the answer to that is I can still do what I do, but if I feel like I want to make life better for the people around me, I have to look around myself. And what is that? If I'm looking around myself, if I'm really paying attention to the world around me, what do I might notice? Oh, my God. What's that? <gasps> oh, my God. What, what the fuck? I was on my phone the whole time. Why was this happening? What? I'm in here now. Oh, my God. Is that going to happen? I don't know. I do know that if I try to convince myself that that's not the case, that no, I'm going to get out of this rat maze. I will end up like Nate fucking Silver. I will end up like anybody who uh, has fallen into the discourse hole and decided that like the real world ruling class is uh, like globo homo or whatever this idiocy is, you have all been trapped by the fucking maze. And I'm still going to be in the maze. This election just has given me a, a experiential lodestar star that I can grip whenever I feel like I'm spitting off into anything other than a cold-eyed understanding of where the fuck I am in this thing. Where all of us are in this thing. And you can just listen to all that and say he's full of shit. He's got a fucking grift. He wants to keep it going. This this sort of thing is the perfect way to keep it. That's true too. I of course I don't want a real job. My God, who would? They're horrible. I've had real jobs. They suck. I would rather do this. I think I'm good at it. I'm pretty. I think I'm pretty good at it. People seem to like it. I want to keep doing it if I can. But I I can't pretend it's politics anymore at all, which I used to be able to. Certainly during Bernie, I really thought, oh my God, I've squared the circle. I can just have fun and not do real politics and actually be doing politics because look at this Bernie one. I was wrong because I didn't understand how the mechanism worked. I guessed it. I wrote an article for Jack about the, uh, the Iowa State Fair and how I saw Bernie and I thought it was really cool, but I just noticed how few people actually stop and listen to the presidential candidates at that fair considering how many people go to it. How many people are just going to get the fucking corn dogs? How many people are just walking by? At the end of the article saying it's going to come down to how many of those people are going to stop and turn around. And we didn't know. And now we know. I think definitively what we have. So it's up to you to decide. Is he full of shit? Is he, is he a moron running around? Uh, and then pay me, put me on the pain no on my list, which I understand. Or does any of this make sense? And if it does, is it entertaining to you? Does it help you maybe recenter politics for yourself so you don't spend the next four years, whether it's Biden grinding through some fight with a Republican Congress, l- giving way to uh, fucking uh, John Taffer winning in 2024, or um, or dealing with Trump, ratcheting up, and then like trying to cope with it, by uh, deciding, actually, no, I'm going to convince myself that the AOCified uh, neoliberal, uh, like synthesized post Bernie left thing, that's going to create a real working class movement in America. Or, against that, saying, you fucking cucks, it's Tucker Carlson and American greatness conservatism that's going to save the working class project in America. You are both unable to get out of the maze and find real meaning in anything other than convincing yourself that this little fucking rat maze means anything. You will be Nate Silver, and look how Nate Silver has aged. The man is just falling apart, because he lost the ability to recognize where he was in the maze of of perception, and being able to understand the vast difference between his position in the world and his ability to affect change on it. The only promise I can make anybody is that, by God, if there is a fucking chance to stop this, if there is a chance to stop this and I'm not saying there's not, and I, god damn it in my heart I know there is. I know there is cuz we're still fucking here. It works somewhere, somewhere it worked. We're fucking here. Against all fucking odds, we're fucking here. It's going to be because enough people have broken out of the this rat race of of stimulus response and just grievance mongering where you're driven towards a politics that is just is polarized grievance aggregators, It'll, and because they've seen the conditions surrounding them, and with people around them who they trust, who they build trust with through cooperation, move forward together and break through a lot of uh, political like superstructure that is very rickety and could be once again uh, orthogonally attacked from an unexpected direction, just like it was in the thirties. But it's not going to come. It's not going to be reasoned out. That means not only not being on, reasoned out through uh, talking about elections, it's not going to be reasoned out through elections. Now, maybe at the local level, you can get enough people together behind a candidate with a, a, uh, like a position, a specific fulcrum of power within a system to actually help things, create a thin, uh, thin edge of a wedge that you can gather momentum behind. Go for it. But the only way you're going to know about that is if it's right in front of you. You're not going to fucking go through fucking Twitter and figure out who is the real deal and who is the uh, pseudo-leftist from the discourse around them on Twitter. It's going to have to be personal fucking experience. And that sucks because we don't have the time or energy for that shit. That's why it's very difficult to imagine it working. But detaching from this matrix is the only way. And that just doesn't mean logging off. It means logging off from caring about politics as we have conventionally understood it entirely. And it is sports for ugly people. That is it. And anybody who said that before me, you were right. But if anybody who says it isn't saying it after me, I'm sorry you're wrong. And you might say, well, you were wrong before. And it's like, yes, I was wrong before. And I'm still wrong about other stuff. But I'm not wrong about that. And you can just look back. We have an actual record now. It's a fossil fucking record of this trajectory. You don't have to guess anymore. We were caught in the fucking limbo. We're out of the jaunt. It was a long jaunt indeed. And we're the gibbering madman at the end of that story. And now it's what? What are we going to do? Are we going to just go to the mental hospital and tear our eyes out? Or are we going to get to fucking work uh, figuring out our connection to reality again? Re-territorializing our surroundings. So that is our task. We'll see how we do with it. I wish you luck in the coming year.